Good morning, everybody. I think I'm going to take this out so it's <clears throat> in recent months I've been actually reading through um, some of the Old Testament and the historical books of the Old Testament and um, there's not much light here is there excuse me but I haven't sung about light in the darkness which one is this one ah aha do you want light over there Have some light then. And I can see your shining faces as well at the same time. Let's see what I've written down here, uh, which is helpful. Yes, so in recent months I have been uh, reading through this, and um, it was on the morning of, of Sunday, the 15th of May, that I was reading in Two Chronicles. And as I read, there was a particular passage that really struck me and sort of had a, a, a sort of strong impression on me. Um, often when I'm reading the scriptures in the morning, I might receive something they just lay, say for me personally, and, and I can respond to it there and then. Um, but this was a word that felt more than just to me uh, personally, and it's about a specific incident that happened in the reign of King Rehoboam. And King Rehoboam was the son of King Solomon. And in King Solomon's reign, he had made hundreds of golden shields. And unfortunately, along came King Shishak, which I'm going to say a number of times, but I might get it wrong, but King Shishak um, of Egypt. And he swept in, and he came, and he stole away the shields that were there, uh, that were part of the, the kingdom and part of the, the treasury that they had. And then once he'd taken those away, what King Rehoboam did is he replaced these with bronze shields. He replaced them with bronze shields. They were the replacements for the gold shields, the, the bronze ones. And as I reflected on this, that really sort of impacted me in the sense that I thought, well, there's something here that I've got to get hold of. It stirred me in my spirit. And what was stirring in, in me was, look, there's a challenge here for me. Do I go for what is gold? Or do I go for what is bronze? And I asked this question, am I prepared to settle for bronze when I could have gold? Am I prepared to settle for bronze when I could have gold? And I began to feel that here is some sort of a prophetic picture, maybe for us as a church, as well as something that challenged me. Um, and I was challenged about it, also encouraged and excited about this at the same time. And so that was what was coming through to me. Am I going to settle for a lower quality in my spiritual life? 
Am I going to, to, to settle for something that is less than I could have and that I could, will be actually far less than I could be in my life? And so my title for this morning is this, Don't Live With Bronze When You Could Live With Gold. Don't Live With Bronze When You Could Live With Gold. Now on that same Sunday morning, for those of you who were here, um, you may remember that uh, Susan was uh, sharing from the scriptures that morning and encouraging us and stirring us and challenging us um, to, to move forward with God. And at the end of the, the, the meeting, we sort of stood together and I shared something of this with Susan because it's not, sometimes you, know, you can receive something in the morning and by perhaps the middle of the morning or that you've come to on Sunday, it's not so sort of prominent in your thinking. But all through the worship and all through the, uh, the sharing of the word, that was still prominent in my thinking, this thing about the bronze and the gold. And so in our conversation, it naturally came out because it was in me. It came out and I shared that, uh, or something of that picture that has sort of stirred my life. Um, and then um, you remember, for those of you who are at the family meeting on the 22nd of May, that uh, Susan came forward and she shared something of that picture that the stirring for that we should be a people who would like the uh, Olympic athlete, we, sh we should be a people who were willing to go for gold. And that that often is where, where the focus is. The person who's going for a medal is wanting, obviously, uh, well, I say it's obvious, but uh, to go for gold and not to settle for coming fourth or fifth or sixth or whatever. But that's what they're after and that's what they're, they're aiming for. So, don't live with bronze when you could live with gold. And so that had come through, and let me just read to you. Um, so you can see I've not made this up. Um, this is the passage where this is recorded. This is in 2 Chronicles 12. And this is about Rehoboam. But when Rehoboam was firmly established and strong, he abandoned the law of the Lord. And all Israel followed him in this sin. Because they were unfaithful to the Lord, King Shishak of Egypt attacked Jerusalem in the fifth year of King Rehoboam's reign. He came with 1,200 chariots, 60,000 horsemen, and a countless army of foot soldiers, including Libyans, Sukkites, and Ethiopians. Shishak conquered Judah's fortified cities and then advanced to attack Jerusalem. The prophet Shemaiah then met with Rehoboam and Judah's leaders who had all fled to Jerusalem because of Shishak. Shemaiah told them, this is what the Lord says, you have abandoned me, so I am abandoning you to Shishak. The king and the leaders of Israel humbled themselves and said, the Lord is right in doing this to us. When the Lord saw their change of heart, he gave this message to Shemaiah. Since the people have humbled themselves, I will not completely destroy them and will soon give them some relief. I will not use Shishak to pour out my anger on Jerusalem, but they will become his subjects so that they can learn how much better it is to serve me than to serve earthly rulers." So King Shishak of Egypt came to Jerusalem and took away all the treasures of the temple of the Lord 
and of the royal palace, including all of Solomon's gold shields. King Rehoboam later replaced them with bronze shields and entrusted them to the care of the captain of his bodyguard. And whenever the king went to the temple of the Lord, the guards would carry them along and then return them to the guard room. And so that's the, the context of the gold and the bronze shields that I'm actually talking about. And, um, but it did speak to me about not accepting like a level of life that is far less than I could actually live in. The bronze and the gold shields, they symbolize for me that it is possible to come to actually ex like accept and accommodate and be satisfied with something less. And it felt like a bit of a sort of a wake-up call for me um, to recognize I could actually forfeit the gold and get to the place where I start to feel comfortable with the bronze. Now, obviously, I'm speaking a picture language and an, and an, and an, and an analogy. Um, and I want us to be able to see in our spirits what I'm saying here. That in our lives, we can come to that place where, for whatever reason, and whatever age, or whatever set of circumstances we're facing, that we're no longer actually wanting to go for the gold. We may not even recognize that we're not wanting to go for it. And we've settled for something which is, in this case, you see, he had, he replaced the gold with the bronze. And it wasn't what was meant to be for them. And, and I'll, I'll explain that a little more as I go along. So it, it seems to me that there are choices and decisions that we have to make. And where we get to and what we achieve and, and how we succeed, or however you look at that, can be largely determined on where we're deciding we want to go, what we are aiming for, what we are looking for in our lives. In this case, they lost the gold and replaced it with something that was bronze. And that's what really struck me, that I can do that. That there can be gold that God has for me in my life. But I can let that be taken away. And I can end up with a bronze substitute. And that's what that really struck me. In 2 Corinthians 12, that we've just read, Corinthians Chronicles. Did you spot that mistake? Uh, I bet you didn't. Anyway, in 2 Chronicles 12, this record, and it gives us a context for how this happened or why this happened. There are four key things in here. I'm not going to um, magnify them very much, but firstly, in relation to the Word of God, this was a problem. He abandoned the law of the Lord. This was a part of the problem. The part of the problem that led him away from the gold to the bronze was that he abandoned the word of God. Secondly, in relation to God, his relationship with God was affected because he became unfaithful to God. The third thing in here is that um, in relation to the position of his responsibility, 
He set a bad example because if we read this, all Israel followed him in this sin. All Israel. I mean, what a responsibility. His action affected the body of Christ. What he did affected other people, affected the people of God. And the fourth thing is in relation to the enemy. So in relation to the word of God, in relation to his position of responsibility, in relation directly to his relationship with God, and fourthly, in relationship to the enemy, you see, they become, as a nation, vulnerable. And they came to a place where they were defeated. It says, King Shishak conquered Judah's fortified cities and then advanced to attack Jerusalem. And if you look at what is often, when you read through the kings, 1 Kings, 2 Kings, Chronicles, and so on, you often read a little sort of um, a summary, if you like, of the reign of that particular king. And if you read on in the chapter that I read from in verse 14, this is what it says. It says this about Rehoboam. But he was an evil king, for he did not seek the Lord with all his heart. And that's the summary of his reign and his kingdom. And so even if you look at this context, I want to suggest that that helps us, even this very brief sort of analysis of this, um, that if, if I want to see gold, these things will be important to me, that I will see that the value of the word of God, I value that highly. I will want to avoid sin. I will want to remain faithful to God. And I will not want to be putting myself in a place where I am vulnerable to the work of the enemy. That happened here in this kingdom, as it happened in many other sort of reigns of kings uh, in the Old Testament, you'll find. Now, this story also, you find it elsewhere. It's in 1 Kings 14, a similar record about King Rehoboam's reign. And it shares actually some more details. I'm not going to read the whole passage, but it shares details and it shows you some of what he did. Some of the things he did was that he got more involved in idolatry and idol worship. And he engaged in a whole range of pagan practices. He also uh, opened the door to a lot more prostitution to happen in the land. And the result of all those things, and probably many other things that we don't necessarily know about, was that he was subject, it aroused the anger of God. Though I guess the anger of God is not a subject that we often talk about or speak about. But this was a problem. For this reign, for this king, for this kingdom, that his behavior aroused the anger of God. And ultimately that meant that they did not move into all that they could have done um, in God at that time in their kingdom. And so what happened is we've got King Shishak coming in. And what is he doing? He's coming in and he, it says um, <clears throat> in 1 Kings 14, it, let me just read what it says. It says, King Shishak of Egypt, he ransacked the temple of the Lord and the royal palace and stole everything, everything, including all the gold shields Solomon had made. Afterwards, Rehoboam made bronze shields as substitutes. 
That word substitutes, it's in the New Living Translation, which I read from, is a, is a salient word. Because it's so easy to substitute one thing for another, even when we know that that perhaps isn't the best thing to do. We can fall into that as a sort of a, a habit, maybe, or something that we do. And so um, we can move from a gold level, if I might put it this way, a gold level to a bronze level, because I'm substituting things. Um, I'm taking something out that should be in, and I'm putting something else in that shouldn't be there. And so that can happen, we can substitute. But what uh, struck me about reading it in this version was the fact that he ransacked the temple. And you know what? That made me feel immediately this. But we have an enemy that we need to recognize. What is his heart desire? His heart desire is to ransack the house of God, to ransack the temple. So in this picture, we have this, that we have an enemy who comes against us. And one of the things he wants to do is rob us of what is better that God has for us. One thing he wants to do is to steal away. You see, he, he, this guy and all his soldiers and all the other ites that came with him, they rushed in and they took away what was there. They came to steal. They came to destroy. They came to plunder. They came to take away. So in the end, these people couldn't look upon these wonderful uh, uh, gold shields. They had the bronze substitutes. And I want to encourage us in that picture to see that we have an enemy who wants to steal away from us what is God's best. And he wants to take us away from what is the better thing. And he wants to substitute that with something which is less than we could have. So he came in, this enemy, and he ransacked this place. And when we look at the if you look at King Rehoboam's reign, what you see is this as well. This is in a place of decline. He's now in a place of decline. And his kingdom is being reduced. His influence is diminishing. And so he experiences a number of things. He experiences a loss of power. He experiences a loss of position. There's a loss of authority. There's a loss of territory. And the enemy wants to take all those four things that are in our lives and he wants to touch all of those and he wants to spoil them. So he wants to, us to be in a place where we have less power, less authority. We take less territory because of what he's doing. And this is what happened in this kingdom. They lost these things. And... To me, that seemed to picture um, the fact that there was this low point, they were vulnerable, there was an invasion, and the enemy came in and he diminished this place of power and influence. And this is one thing that the enemy wants. He wants to, to do that. He wants to take us to a place where our, our power is less, where our influence is less, where our impact is less. And this is what happened over and over again. If you read through the Old Testament, it's, it's so sad in so many ways that the people of God had the word of God. They had the, the presence of the Lord with them. They had so much that was given to them. And repeatedly, over and over again, they made themselves vulnerable to the enemy. And the enemy came in and they were captivated 
and they were in the place of captivity, they were distressed, they were in trouble, they were lost away from what God had for them. And so God's purpose was that they would be a powerful people, they would attract other people, and there would be an effect where other people would look in and say, these are the people of God, God's presence is with them, God's word is in them, I can see God's power at work in them, I can see signs and I can see wonders and I can see miracles. And that was what God wanted his people to represent out of the world and out into the earth. And they got lost. And here's just one example. There are dozens of examples you could find in the Old Testament of what I'm saying. And this is just one. And he lost these things and these things diminished. And we don't want to be a people who are diminished. We want to be a people who are being built up and encouraged and taken forward. And so we don't want to substitute bronze things for what is gold. God has gold treasure for us, which is so amazing. And he has provided that already and is continuing to provide that for us. But this king came in, you see, this Egyptian came in and he stole everything. He robbed the temple. He stole everything and he robbed the palace. And that just reminded me, what did that remind me of? The words of Jesus, John 10.10. The thief or enemy comes only to steal and kill and destroy. That is not just uh, a verse, it's a reality. 1 Peter 5.8, Peter tells us, be self-controlled and alert. Why? Because your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. That's a, that should be a, almost a frightening picture for us. It's easy to read of these things. I mean, the whole idea of the devil and devils and demons and so on being, has been so caricatured and undermined and, and weakened and diluted to make to be almost like, you know, you're a bit of an idiot if you think any of these things are true anyway. Um, But the reality is, what Peter is saying is the truth. And he's warning us here. And I mentioned about uh, Solomon's gold shields. Where is it recorded about that? That's in 2 Chronicles 9. And it says this, um, King Solomon made 200 large shields of hammered gold, each containing over 15 pounds of gold. Now, if we have a mathematician in here, I don't look, you don't look like mathematicians. Well, you have to work out what this, I thought myself I could work out what it is, but I didn't take the time to do that. The weight of gold and the, how much that would be worth. I guess it's millions of pounds at the moment. Um, so they came, contained 200 shields, large shields, each with 15 pounds of gold. Then he also made 300 smaller shields of hammered gold, each containing 7.5 pounds of gold. The king placed these shields in the palace of the forest of Lebanon. Now, you also read at that same period of time, this is a period of time when Solomon's kingdom is obviously going great guns. And um, at the same time, you read this, it says that um, nothing was made of silver because silver was considered of little value in Solomon's day. So when you think often, when you see these things mentioned, you see bronze, silver, and gold, gold, silver, and bronze. The bronze was even uh, less valuable than that. And so 
we read of this, it happened only five years after he'd come into his kingship. So it's actually a relatively short period of time between this statement about the value of other things and when he decided to replace the gold with the bronze. And uh, so that's just a picture of what happened when Solomon made those, those shields and they were made to be a part. Um, they came into actually the forest of uh, the palace of the forest of Lebanon. So, having been stirred by this picture of the gold shields being replaced by the bronze shields and reflecting upon why this registered so strongly with me, and I felt that really it is meant to be, this is not a, a lashing, it's meant to be a word of encouragement, not to be satisfied and not to settle. And I did some reading around this, which I haven't sort of included in this, but one of the things I wanted to include this, dear Matthew Henry, he said this, and I, I was help, this was helpful for me, because he, what he was saying was what, what I'd already prepared. He said this, he said, about King Rehoboam and the fact that the gold shields were replaced by bronze shields, he writes this, this was an emblem of diminution of his glory. Sin makes the gold become dim, changes the most fine gold, and turns it into bronze. So what he's saying is the same thing, that it was a sign of a diminishing glory. It was a sign of something that had been lost that could have been there. Now, going back to that morning on the 15th of May, when I was looking at this, what I did then was write a poem. And I want to read this to you now because this is what came to me as a response to reading this scripture. And I've called this Bronze for Gold. Some live with bronze when they could live with gold. Their hearts could be warm and yet they are cold. On the journey's way, they made their decision, which altered their course and caused their derision. Some lives are bronze when they could have been gold. They now stand in fear where once they were bold, and what they expected has not been fulfilled. So what they had planned, they now cannot build. Some lives shine bronze when they could have shone gold and all would have seen God's glories unfold. But into pure water the impure has flowed and a harvest has grown from what has been sowed. Some lives bring bronze when they could have brought gold and even though young, their lives seem quite old. They played in the flames and got burnt in the fire and cannot achieve what their hearts so desire. Some lives live bronze when they could have lived gold, the birthright they had too easily sold. Now life is a shadow of what it could be. 
they are so restricted and cannot walk free. Some lives show bronze when they could have shown gold, and now they are shaped by a different mold. What they are becoming has lost its potential. They choose to retreat from what was essential. Now this morning I've not tried to sort of press this whole analogy and this picture too far. And what I want to do as I draw to a conclusion is just highlight one or two of the practical things that comes out of this picture. Clearly, it's encouraging us not to let that of lesser value, in a sense, become more important, and not to reside in sort of what is good, and in the process not receive what is actually far better that is there for us. And not to regress, but to go forward. Not go backwards, but to go forward. The word still comes in here. And obviously there's pictures in the Bible that we could use to, to, um, to highlight that. But I want to encourage us, firstly, with regarding to that, that it is so easy, and this is true of every one of us, isn't it, that we can settle into a particular comfort zone and a particular place. It's easy to want to be hidden and to be covered over by things. And maybe that's a word for some of us this morning, that there is uh, a sense in which God is saying it's time to come out a bit more from that hidden place, from that place of being settled, perhaps, and comfortable. And there's a sense in which the encouragement, I think, in this uh, word is about getting involved and being fully given into what God has for us. Obviously, the picture of going for gold is in there as well. And uh, if you were here, Susan quite ably stirred us and encouraged us to be doing that, to be going for gold. And we're familiar with that picture. It's in the sport context. It's in the Olympic Games context as well. And, uh, but obviously, to go for gold requires a, r a range of things. And when you hear of the lifestyle that some of these youngsters have gone through in, when they were you know, only in their primary school or going through secondary school or whatever, or high school, whatever it is now, um, then they've gone sometimes decades of discipline, of taking things out of their lives. You know that they're not eating the cakes and biscuits that I am, are they? And they've taken those out. It's true, isn't it? Yes. Thank you for a witness to that word. Um, but they have, they've, they've applied disciplines. They've done all sorts of things. Why? Because they want to have this gold medal. And they've got this lovely um, aim and goal and objective. But that does mean we need to focus on maximizing sometimes the gifts and strengths and abilities we have. And so in terms of this, I want to encourage this as well, that God, we've talked quite a bit already about spiritual gifts and the like, that God has put gifts into our lives and he has put abilities in us then he wants them to grow and he wants them to develop far more than we might think we might look around and think well you know we're a lovely silver-haired people 
most of us. Um, and is it too late? No. According to the Bible, it's never too late. And many of the guys who we greatly use by God are older than any one of us. It's true. And so there is a sense in which we can all still be going for these things. The word comfortable comes up as well. There's an encouragement not to feel so comfortable. You know, you can get to the place where you can be feeding yourself regularly, you can be praying regularly, and you can be ministering regularly, and you can be fellowshipping regularly, and you can feel, ah, oh, this yes, it's quite comfortable. This is quite nice. Um, and there's nothing necessarily wrong with that. I'm not saying that as a criticism, but as a, as a stirring and as a challenge to say, well, look, sometimes what the Holy Spirit does Part of what the meaning of the word of the Holy Spirit is when he sort of kicks us up the backside to get us going and prods us and pokes us. It's a bit like the, the ox goad in, in the Old Testament, you know, the, the long, the long um, rod with a metal thing on the end which is pointed. I've often said I'd like to preach with one of those so when, when, when those people who I can see have closed their eyes, I can just prod them and, with my ox goad. Anyway, this is partly what the Lord wants to do for us. So if we're feeling too comfortable, then don't be surprised if something happens that sort of, that's the ox goat poking you, as the Holy Spirit saying, come on, you, need, you can do far more than, than this. So there's the word comfortable in there, so we need to be hungering and thirsting for God. You see, one of the things that happened with King Rehoboam, and we read this, he said he was no longer seeking the Lord with all his heart. So that, that's, that says he got to a place where, you know, maybe certain things were going fairly well. He had some blessing from God. That's in that passage as well. But he got comfortable. The word uh, level to or lower level is in what we've talked about and the fact that we can accept a lower level of um, existence spiritually uh, and not be living on a higher level that we could. And that could apply to prayer, it could apply to reading the scriptures, it could apply to moving in spiritual gifts. It could apply to a whole range of things. Serving in the church or giving in the church, fellowship, witnessing, etc. The word enemy obviously is in this as well. And the fact that King Rehoboam made himself vulnerable to the invasion of the enemy. There were consequences. He was robbed of the gold. And so I encourage us to just look at ourselves individually and for, the, for one another. So that I don't want to be robbed of the gold that God has wanted to do in my life. But we can think of that for each other as well. Um, one of the things that we were encouraged when we had our BSSL, let's come back to me now, from Jonathan Page very often was the importance of trying to see the gold in other people. You know, so the idea is not that you can walk around thinking I'm a gold guy, um, but these are all bronze people. Um, but to, to see and draw out and encourage the gold in other people. And that's a lovely idea, isn't it? So you're looking for the best, and you're trying to draw that out and encourage that in other people. Because the enemy here, as we said, he ransacked what God is doing. He robbed them. And that's, he does want to do that. He wants to rob us of what is the gold, taking away our authority, our power, our influence, and the, the word I want to finish on is the word glory because the fact that King Rehoboam lost the gold shields 
was a sign of losing some of the glory. And there's a sense in which I believe that God wants to bring us into more and more glorious things. And the enemy doesn't want that, definitely doesn't want that. And so he would rather that the gold is replaced by the bronze. And so there's ways in which he can subtly and deceptively and even manipulatively replace and substitute what is what God wants for something else. And so that's something uh, to be careful for so that we're, we're warned in this picture that there is decline and it is possible to decline and I guess sometimes that decline can happen even almost inadvertently and you may not even notice it. And so that there's a way in which too, um, thinking, I was going to say the Oxford picture again, but we can prod and provoke one another. And actually, indeed, the New Testament encourages us to do that. Because um, sometimes if you see someone struggling, you can talk about it in your, in your home and perhaps never do something to help that person. Um, but so there is a responsibility in here to do that for one another, to help one another into greater glories in God. So that's my message this morning, to not live with the bronze when you could live with gold. So can we, um, can we just stand together, please? Obviously, this, this, this picture can mean um, different things to different people. Um, it could have touched different areas in our lives. It's not to uh, provoke or promote lots of guilt or lots of regret or remorse about things. But I think it's generally that the Lord wants to stir our hearts. Um, and it's in line with what the Word of God has come to us anyway in, in recent weeks and recent months which is to keep going on and keep being open to the Holy Spirit. And so, Father, we just pray this morning afresh that you will minister this picture, Lord, to our lives, that it might be relevant to us in the way we need it to be relevant. And I know, Lord, it may not be, speak the same thing to everybody. That doesn't matter. But I just pray, Lord, this morning that over our lives and over our church family, that, Lord, you will, you will birth something again in us, even today, that says that I can say in myself, I want not to settle for second best. I don't want to settle for uh, something less than you have for me, Lord. I don't want to let the lesser replace the greater, or one thing to substitute the other. So I want just to take a minute now, and ask you to um, to feel free to make your personal response to God because it's a response to, to God, not to myself, um, that is the important thing.